And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news. The story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 Radio Network and streaming live on iHeartRadio. And it's available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDogs or shoot me an email. The address is RightNowJimDogs at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I have to admit it. Even though Dominic Izzo tells me never admit you're wrong, I was wrong. I never believed that the Democrat Party would be stupid enough to nominate Joe Biden incoherent, incompetent, corrupt, lifelong swamp creature, Joe Biden. That's what the Democrats have come up with to beat Donald Trump. And, you know, I don't know how this, uh, this campaign is going to shape up in this environment of the coronavirus. I suspect at some point, uh, both of these candidates are going to have to do away with rallies that will definitely redound to Biden's benefit because he can't uh, attract crowds. He doesn't have an excited <clears throat> voter base. Uh, and I, hell, I don't even know if they'll have uh, au- uh, audiences at the debates where it will just be a bloodbath while old Joe Biden tries to figure out where he is and who he is while Donald Trump takes a wrecking ball to him. But as I say, I, I didn't I didn't believe that the Democrats would be stupid enough to go down this road. I thought that they would get one of their uh, younger, the more diverse female or or uh, people of color to uh, to carry the banner. But uh, no, they have done the same thing they did in 2016, and that was nominate um, someone that whose health is failing, who is incompetent at their jobs, who is thoroughly and completely corrupt. And all Donald Trump is going to have to do is dust off the playbook from 2016. And this time he's going to have a, uh, a good economy. I know the economy's taken a hit from this coronavirus, but you can't blame that on the president as hard as the Democrats are trying to. And if the American, the American people will realize, even in a bad economy, that if we want to uh, go back to the good old days, as in the last three years, we need to reelect Donald Trump. And so after Super Tuesday, you know, all of the Democrat candidates uh, dropped out on massive pressure from the DNC and the party. No telling what kind of promises and chits were, were made there uh, then. And uh, now Biden last night has uh, followed up on his big Super Tuesday wins with uh, a big win in Michigan and four other states. And old Bernie Sanders, he took two uh, sparsely populated states, one of the Dakotas, I think it's North Dakota and Washington state. But um, Biden won big in Michigan, despite the fact that uh, he attacked a, uh, a union worker and and cursed him and threatened him. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the show. 
But it was the showdown between uh, the incompetent, corrupt swamp creature and Joe Biden and the committed lifelong Marxist Bernie Sanders last night, and Biden vanquished the commie. But really, when you get right down to it and you look at their positions that have been uh, come out in these debates, there's really not that much difference other than presentation between commie and Bernie. I recall when they uh, they asked both of these candidates whether they were willing to destroy the uh, energy sector in order to get elected. You know, I didn't go, you... Are you with Donald Trump? Well, there goes my first technical glitch of the day. Uh, that is that is not the correct clip. Let's do it again. Consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth? even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. When we make a fundamental transition away from fossil fuel, there will be some job loss. Yeah, there will be some job loss. There will be that, – that is the most productive uh, part of our economy is the energy sector, and both of these candidates want to destroy it. Both of these candidates are promising open borders, both of them – are promising government-provided health care to illegal aliens in the country. It's going to be like taking candy from a baby come the general election. And so the uh, the Democrats have decided that they um, they want to beat Trump even more than they want socialism, and they think that their best chance of doing that is old Joe Biden. Here's Katie, Katie Pavlich commenting on that on Fox Business. Yeah, but if you actually look at what people are saying in terms of the agenda that they want to put forth for the Democratic Party moving forward with a nominee, their number one thing is beating President Trump. They think Joe Biden is the person to do that. But if you look at the way they come down on issues, the vast majority, we're not just talking about like a small majority, the vast majority of Democratic primary voters in every single state we've seen so far want single-payer health care. They want for debt forgiveness for, for student loans. So this well, idea that hold we're on, going time to, now, don't time worry, now. we're going to, we are going to take okay. They want free college tuition. They want uh, government-provided health care for illegal aliens. They want to return to these disastrous trade deals. In a, in a word, they... Uh, they want socialism. And so they're going to uh, put Joe Biden up there, who is on record now promising all of the same things that Bernie did. The problem is, on any given day, Joe Biden doesn't even know where he is. Hell, here's a clip where he's having trouble remembering the president who he worked for for eight years. Because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. Right. He's saying that it was President, my boss, it was his fault. <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear that again. He, he's trying to say President Obama. It was President, my boss, it was his fault. Well, you know, uh, that, that seems pretty amazing. He can't remember uh, Obama's name, but it gets worse. Here he is having trouble with his own name. Long nominated Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Obama Democrat, 
an Obama, a Biden Obama Democrat, he says, and he doesn't correct himself. And the small crowd, ooh, yay. Obama Democrat. An Obama Democrat. Uh, <laughs> So the Democrats have gone and done it. You wouldn't have believed it was possible. Nobody did, but they have have fallen back on uh, an octogenarian who is in a severe state of cognitive decline with failing health, who can't even control his own rallies. This happened at a rally uh, that he held in Michigan. Let me find this clip. Uh, Here we go. You know, I didn't. You are you with Donald Trump? I had to set this up. What's happening here is. Uh, he had a rally. It was sparsely attended in a high school gymnasium. The gymnasium wasn't even full, but uh, he had some protesters hold up signs saying NAFTA destroyed our jobs. Of course, Joe Biden was a big proponent of NAFTA and GATT and World Trade Organization and all of these other globalist schemes that have been a disaster for American workers. And Biden's first response was to to blame it on Trump. But what you're about to hear is, he he tries to tell the security people and the uh, the other uh, attendees to leave the protesters alone, and the security people and the attendees ignore him. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden doesn't even have the leadership uh, gravity to control his own security detail. Trump rally. It's not a Trump rally. Let him go. Let let him go. Let him go. The Bernie Bros are here. Let him go. Folks. Folks, let him go. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Everybody's just ignoring old Joe. They completely ignore Joe Biden at his own rally. He doesn't even have the the leadership ability to control his own voters. And I think what's going to happen this morning is that the Democrats are going to wake up with a severe Joe Biden hangover when they realize what they've done over there on CNN. I think Gloria Borger kind of agrees with me. Talking about kind of echoes of 2004 where, where yeah. John Kerry gets kind of anointed early on and uh, boom. Yeah then destroyed. I I think that was a very good point. And I think uh, Democrats ought to be thinking about that. We were just trying to count the number of days that it's been since South Carolina. When you think it's been 10 or 10 or 11 days since South Carolina and the waters parted for for Joe Biden like no other candidate has ever seen. It's almost as if he's standing there saying, what? What? Uh, I'm here because he did everything wrong. He, you know, he lost a couple of times. He came in second or third. He did. This should not have happened, but it did happen to him. And but it did happen to him. And now they're going to uh, wake up with buyer's remorse, I believe, over on Fox. Tim Murtaugh, who is in the Trump campaign, 
uh, put it even better. Which one of those two gentlemen is going to be the president's opponent? But uh, we see them as the st- really same sides, two sides of the same coin. And it, and it really is a situation of heads we win, tails they lose. Bernie Sanders has been the intellectual leader of the Democrats for more than a year. All you have to do is watch any of the Democrat debates. All they do the whole time is debate the issues that Bernie Sanders has injected into the conversation. So mm. he's been the thought leader. And on the other side, you have Joe Biden. And there's a very good reason and why he had been discarded by the Democrats just before the South Carolina primary, it's because he's a terrible candidate. He remains a terrible candidate. And just because uh, he had a good Super Tuesday doesn't suddenly make him a good candidate overnight. You know, he wasn't rehabilitated on Super Tuesday. He was rescued. And if he, if he in fact, does become the Democrat nominee, I think what you'll find from the Democrat elites is they'll be like that guy in Las Vegas who wakes up and looks around and realizes, oh, my God, did I get married? last night oh my goodness. and the democrats will look over and, and next to them in the bed it'll be joe biden and they're going to be stuck with him it, so you know so after uh iowa and new hampshire and nevada where joe biden just got wiped out the democrat party decided they were going to have to step in and they put the pressure on all of these candidates to uh to drop out and endorse joe biden after he predictably won in South Carolina. They just threw in the towel. They just told all of their supporters and all their campaign contributors. It was all a hoax. I wasn't really going to see this thing to the end. Now we all have to rally behind Joe Biden because he won one out of, to that point, five primaries or caucuses. And as, uh, as Gloria Borger said, the seas parted and Joe Biden was able to uh, skate in, and now he is the presumptive nominee, which kind of surprises even old Joe Biden. And folks, but to unify this nation, we first have to unify our party. And over the past week, we've uh, there's have gone a long way toward we've gone a long way toward doing that. Mayor Pete, Senator Gobachar, Beto O'Rourke, Senator Booker, Senator Harris, um, Mayor Bloomberg. They have done something that I think the press is perplexed with as much as I am, that they've all come out and endorsed one at one time. <laughs> it even perplexes Joe Biden. And it's understandable because all of these candidates that fell in line and, and endorsed Joe Biden as the candidate to carry the Democrats banner and beat the evil orange man in the White House had previously been quite hard on old Joe so. Joe Biden a return to the past? He is. And, and that cannot be who we are going forward. It was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations on the segregation of race in this country. Joe no. Biden doesn't have the experience. He's never been a manager of an organization. The presidency shouldn't be a training job. For a guy who helped to be an architect of mass incarceration, this is an inadequate uh, solution. This week I hear him literally say that I don't think we should legalize marijuana. I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> I'm not Barack Obama, and neither is he. And this election is about where our country is headed next. I come out of the black community in terms of my support. The only only African-American woman that ever been elected to the United States Senate. No, My point no, that's is, not true. The other that's one is true. here. <laughs> First, there are definitely moments where you listen to Joe Biden and you just wonder. 
So the Democrats have coalesced around a, a candidate that may not even make it to the general election. Uh, they're they're going to try to put him on ice now. I expect they're going to cancel this upcoming debate where he was uh, set to debate Bernie Sanders for two hours, one-on-one. I, I think that the Democrat Party is going to cancel that debate. They've got Joe Biden down now to just given seven-minute stump speeches. They're trying desperately to limit his exposure to the media and and uh, and just giving speeches because of the constant and perfectly predictable gaffes. But I got to admit it, I was wrong. I, I never believed the Democrats were going to go down this, this path. And now the conclusion that you have to take away from this is never bet, never bet against the Democrat Party's stupidity. An 80-year-old guy, he's going to be older going into office than Ronald Reagan was coming out of office, and they told us repeatedly that Ronald Reagan was too old to do the job. And Ronald Reagan was much more vigorous than than uh, old Joe Biden, despite the fact that old Joe Biden's out on the campaign trail threatening to uh, take a construction worker outside and give him a beating. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Stick with us right here on Right Now. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. Hey, in the second half of today's show, we're going to be joined by Kathy Barnett, congressional candidate and author of Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. You're going to want to stick with me and hear that. But Joe Biden, despite the fact that he chalked up four wins in primaries last night, uh, did lose once yesterday. He lost another debate. He lost a debate to a construction worker there in Michigan who... uh, uh, Joe Biden was visiting an auto plant that was under construction, thanks to Donald Trump, who uh, who jawboned GM into bringing back jobs to Detroit, Michigan. And uh, and the construction worker went on to ask Joe Biden about his position on the Second Amendment, and Joe Biden responded by cursing and threatening the construction worker. Here's the clip. Come on, clip. They have been working countless hours under the Trump administration. I'd like you to explain how you plan to not only keep us working. But- so the the construction worker 
opens up by saying we have been working countless hours. He's talking about lots of overtime available for this union worker and his, uh, his fellow coworkers. And then he, uh, he asked how Biden intends to keep the economic ball rolling. And then the construction worker turns to the topic of the second amendment. How you intend on getting the union vote when there's a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our second amendment right and take away our guns. You're full of shit. All right. <laughs> He tells the union worker, you're full of shit when, when the union worker says you have been campaigning, promising to diminish Second Amendment rights. Now, listen, I don't have a, a real problem with a candidate telling a, a voter that they're full of shit if, in fact, they are full of shit. But this campaign, this a construction worker is not. It's Joe Biden that's full of <laughs> shit on this issue. The construction worker is absolutely right. Here's where the clip turns. Joe Biden starts shushing his his female campaign worker. Shush. Shush. Well, let's hear that again. The uh, the female campaign worker uh, tries to drag Joe Biden away from the impending disaster that he's about to engage in, and Joe Biden's response is to shush her. Now, shush. I support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in Beto, no. when you said you're going to take our guns, I did not what? say that. That's yeah. not true. I did it's not say that. It's a viral video. It's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply alive. Sure. Now, Joe Biden's on record repeatedly saying that he's going to take away people's uh, semi-automatic rifles. That is not news. Joe Biden either can't remember it or he's engaging in his, his uh, habit of lying about things, inconvenient facts that he's confronted with. And now he's saying that uh, he never said that. Your voice, you said that you're taking the gun. Well, he just Beto. clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, take thing. your AR, your AR-14s and what? Okay, this is not AR-14s. Okay. All right. Hey, you want to tell me this? There's a lot of guys. You're, a lot of guys want me, man. I'm not worried. Hold on. Give me a break, man. You're pushing up on me. So he starts by telling him he's full of crap. Then he tells him he's a horse's ass. I've been called uh, a horse's ass by Joe Biden, too, by the way. Not individually, but at a, in a group. That's one of his favorite go-tos when anybody disagrees with him. He calls them a horse's ass. But the uh, construction worker was absolutely correct. And Joe Biden, you know, falls back. I, I support the Second Amendment because I don't want you uh, uh, to own semi-automatic weapons, but you can own a shotgun. I own shotguns, but like I say, the, the construction worker won a debate with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's only response was to curse him and threaten him. If you heard that clip, he threatens to take him outside and the absurdity of 80 year old Joe Biden threatening to whoop a construction worker is uh, kind of amazing in itself, but the construction worker was right. Joe Biden was wrong. So to to gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right. If you have an assault weapon, the fact of the matter is they should be illegal. P- 
period. Look, the Second Amendment doesn't say you can't restrict the kinds of weapons people can own. You know, I, I, I'll probably talk about this again when we come back uh, after the interview in the second half hour. But this is a repeated pattern of Joe Biden insulting his voters. He calls them fat, a dog-faced pony soldier, threatens to take them outside. Someday somebody's going to take Joe Biden up on this offer. I don't want to see the old man get beat up, but I would like to see this uh, this mythical push-up contest that he keeps challenging people to we got to run out to a break when we come back we're going to be joined by kathy barnett stick with us right here on the mojo 50 radio network as you make plans this season consider convenient covid19 testing from quest get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, Donald Trump is reaching out to black voters like no Republican candidate since Ronald Reagan. And he's doing it not based on the Democrats' model of identity, politics, grievance, and victimization, but rather on an appeal to all Americans' common destiny and shared prosperity. The re-election campaign is opening 15 field offices targeted directly at black Americans and highlighting the president's record of good jobs and rising wages for all. To discuss this, we're joined now by Kathy Barnett, author of Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. Kathy's also running for Congress in Pennsylvania's 4th Congressional District on Philadelphia's north side. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Well, Kathy, my experience with black black folks is uh, that they're very socially conservative, uh, mostly church-going people. And it never made any sense to me why uh, they would be uh, in the Democrat uh, Party or vote for Democrats. Uh, can you explain it to me? Yeah, you know, it's kind of the same thing that has happened to all Americans, whether you're white or black. And that is we have forgotten what is in our own best interest. And as a result, we've allowed ourselves to be manipulated by the D's and the R's. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Libertarian. No, I'm a mom who is raising two young kids uh, who are going to go off to college. My mother just moved in with me. She's older. She's in need of health care. So we've forgotten the things 
that are most important to us. Instead, we've allowed ourselves to be manipulated. And you see that like no place else than in the black community. Uh, for the past 56 years, we have been on what most of us call the Democrat plantation uh, and voting one particular way for 56 years. We've been the Democrats' most loyal constituents. And for that loyalty, we have not gotten very much. You know, Kathy, I'm from Atlanta. I spent 30 years on the fire department for the city of Atlanta, and I usually worked on the south side of Atlanta. And I've seen uh, this Democrat election strategy up close and personal for a, a lot of years. And it works like this. They um, they deliver for their donors. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I see these silk stocking lawyers for the rich uh, uh, and powerful in Atlanta blow into City Hall and, and walk out with whatever they ask for. While at the same time, their black constituents have to fight like hell just to get a sidewalk paved. But then every four years, they show back up in the community stirring up racial conflict and, and promising the moon and the stars, and they never deliver. I know. You can almost set your watch by it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here we have Madeline Dean, uh, the incumbent that I'm running against. Her nickname, her own nickname is Mad. She goes by Mad. I'm not practicing ad homonyms here. Mad Madeline Dean. And uh, she just co-sponsored an anti-lynching bill, the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill. When was the last time we've heard of somebody being lynched in this country? And not only like that, it's already, it's already illegal, and uh, and that's a war, war that has been it's called fought murder, and right? justly it's called won. Murder, right? Exactly. It, exactly. But I mean, but I mean, but you can almost set your watch by it. Oh, here comes an anti-lynching bill. Oh, mm-hmm. it must be election time for the Democrats. Oh, Democrats are talking about reparations. Oh, it must be election time. You can almost set your watch by it. Right. These people do not care about the black community. These people do not care what's going on within the black community. In Baltimore, Maryland, you have six schools and not one student tested proficient in reading and math. Why is that? Why is that not an issue every single day uh, of the calendar versus people just wanting to talk about it right around election time? Well, the Democrats are constantly accusing the Republicans being divisive, but it's it's their election strategy that uh, every four years, as you say, agitates this racial conflict. But, you know, um, I also think that the black voters are not without uh, blame here um, because they've allowed themselves to be co-opted by a single party. You know, there's no group of Americans that agree on 90 percent of the issues. And yet every four years, the Democrats or the uh, the black Democrats swallow their their uh, pride and go in and vote for policies like open borders and and these disastrous traded uh, agreements that that hurt them economically and uh, and set them back and and it, it's, it's just always been a head scratcher to me yeah you know i mean i wouldn't say it is you know black voters swallowing their pride uh the manipulation is real it is the real. campaign strategy is 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 real um you know i talk about it extensively in my book nothing to lose everything to gain being black and conservative in america but i talk about you know there's a chapter in there where i talk about the importance of the black vote black people have always voted in in block uh in in mass uh, because we are not the overwhelming majority 
um, in this nation. Um, we're much less than the majority. And so we've always recognized coming out of slavery that we had to vote in mass in order to positively hopefully affect our community. So we've always voted, you know, 85, 90% a particular way. So that's not on, um, uh, surprising that we do so. Uh, but what is surprising is again, as we, you know, as we now approach 56 years since Lyndon B. Johnson came down with his great society idea, uh, that destroyed the black family did, right? And so, I mean, and that was by design. It destabilized the black family. That's the reason why you have over 70%, roughly 74% of black children growing up in a single parent household. Because back in the day, and even today, um, you know, with, with Lyndon B. Johnson's plan, in order for uh, a, a black woman to receive aid from the government to support her family. She could not have a black man, the father in the home. So it created um, a cascading effect that it is, you know, economically, uh, it makes more economic sense not to have a man in the home uh, so that I can receive these particular programs, right, whether it's welfare or Medicaid or food stamps or whatever the case may be. But what we saw, uh, what we now see is that all that did is lowered the bar of expectation, and it caused a black woman to be married perpetually to the government. To the government. Uh, to receive, you know, you know to, I mean, he pays the rent. He pays, you know, he buys the food, he gets the backpacks, he pays the lights. Now, under Obama, he pays for your phone and your Internet service. But, and so what but do the you government's really need not gonna, a man for? But the government's not going to be a father to the, those children, and, and that has had disastrous effects because the government and, can't raise your yeah. children for, for you, and especially with um, boys in the house. You need a strong right. male figure to uh, to socialize them, and we see the results of excising the fathers from black households. Yeah, you know, I mean, and one of the great impetus for getting married is financial security. But when you have the government walking in and saying, hey, I'll provide all of your financial needs, you just be loyal to me, right? You just can't get married, right? And so, therefore, it creates a situation where you have multiple fathers um, for multiple babies, right? Because you can't commit to that one man. Because your first man, the government, is jealous and he doesn't want you to have, um, you know, um, a father in the home helping you to raise these children. But here's the sad thing is that what we've seen take place in the black community that has, you know, destabilized and devastated black communities, white liberals are now repackaging up those failed liberal policies and presenting them to the larger American community. There's no difference between universal health care, universal. I was about uh, to I was about to say that. And the the young uh, people are buying it uh, despite this 50 year long failed experiment. They're buying more of this uh, this socialism that the Democrats are peddling. I I love how you just said that. We've had a 56-year-long experiment that failed, right, the black community, that has devastated the black community, that has left the black community broke, broken, and bruised, right, of what it looks like when the government comes in and takes 
and takes responsibility for your life. You don't have to worry about any of these things. The government will come in and take care of these things, right? Even incentivize you to some extent for more babies that you have without having a father or a plan in place in order to take care of that baby. You just get a higher uh, um, allotment from the government with welfare. And now you have these same white liberals coming to the larger American culture and saying, hey, you don't have to work for that. Hey, you don't have to save for that. Hey, you don't have to discipline yourself for that. We will take care of you. Don't worry, right? And all that does, what we saw in the black community, is lower the bar of expectation, right? And it has left this community, any community that that comes to that, broken and devastated. And now they're repackaging it, presenting it to the broader American culture, to the white culture this time. Well, I was about to say, it's not just the black community either. Uh, A large segment of uh, white society has adopted this um, this uh, daddy Wall government model as well uh, with the same exact effects that it's had on the broader black community. You know, exactly. I come from the labor movement. I was uh, I was president for the Firefighters Association in Atlanta and in Georgia. And uh, and I saw uh, the bait and switch that the Democrats are able to engage in. They promise you, um, you know, er- anything and everything that you ask for, knowing that uh, they can't deliver um but what it, the effect it has is the Democrats, if you vote for them repeatedly, they come to take you for granted and know they don't have to deliver on their promises. I know. It's, it's very offensive, actually. Um, and, I, I, and I say to people all the time, the most unracist thing this president, President Trump, has done is to look at my brown skin and not assume that I must be a Democrat. She's black. She must be a Democrat. We might as well not even try. We might as well not even woo her. And that's essentially what the Republican Party has done all of these years, right? They look at me and they say, oh, she's black. She must be a Democrat. Why try? So you see Republicans blow in every four years as well, dropping off some backpacks. And, and patting themselves on their backs that they've done some great deed, and then they just walk away. And then on the other side of the aisle, you have uh, Democrats who have just exploited the black community, have raped and pillaged the black community of everything good. When you see, you know, children coming out of coming out of uh, predominantly uh, black communities who can't read or write proficiently, who can't do, who can't do math proficiently, um, where you have more of us going to prison than you do to college. That's a, that's a problem, right? And somehow it's, it's not just, you know, black people can't now, cannot turn and say, oh, it's the white man's fault. It's the politician's fault. It's the milkman's fault and not accept some of the blame for ourselves. This is what I talk about in my book. I'm not just talking to the black community, but I'm talking to the American community. When I spent 10 years in the U.S. Army Reserve, had I been called to lay my life down, I would have, and I would not have done it just for the black community. I would have done it for this great experiment called America. And now we have people in office trying to tell us, no, let's redefine this thing called America. Well, that's what really inspires me about this president is when he uh, when he addresses economic concerns and uh, public safety concerns. He does it uh, in the language of the broader community. He calls everybody to their common destiny 
and their common interest and shared prosperity. He doesn't try to slice and dice people up and say, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that. He calls everybody toward, toward our common uh, national heritage and, and to believe in the things that made us a great nation together and, and uh, our, our common heroes. And, and I, I really thought his last State of the Nation was just a tour de force in doing just that, reminding everybody that we're all Americans regardless of the color of our skin. We all bleed red and we all salute the same American flag. Right. We're all on this boat called America. And if my side of the boat goes down, guess what? Your side of the boat is going to go down, too. There you go. We're all in this together. Kathy Barnett, that's spelled B-A-R-N-E-T-T-E. Kathy Barnett is the author of Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. You can find it on Amazon and on Walmart. She's running for the 4th Congressional District there in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. Give her a look. You can find her online at kathybarnett.com, and you can follow her on Twitter at kathy truth Kathy, thanks for joining us. I hope to come back again. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Blessing. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209. 800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. So in the first half hour, we were talking about Joe Biden threatening and cursing this construction worker up in Michigan who had the nerve to question him on the second amendment and his support for armed seizures. He most certainly is. He, he denied it at the time and then pointed out that he owns shotguns and people shouldn't be allowed to own semi-automatic rifles. And this is uh, a, a trope, a, a fallacy that keeps getting pushed in the media as if our founding fathers put the Second Amendment into the Constitution so that we would have the right uh, to hunt. That was not the intention. It never was the intention, and it is a purposeful misrepresentation, but it's been made so often now that people are, are starting just to accept it as conventional wisdom. The founders did not put the Second Amendment in to protect hunting rights. If it was just about hunting, uh, the, the people of this country at the time had uh, the ability to hunt using bows and arrows. They, everybody likes to point out how good the uh, American Indians were with uh, bows and arrows, but the truth of the matter is uh, bow hunting was uh, you know, a part of uh, the, 
the settlers' um, skills that they brought over from Europe, uh, where they had the most skilled bow, um, uh, you know, uh, warriors and hunters with bows in the history. No, the Second Amendment was was not in there, put in there to protect hunting rights. It was put in there specifically so that the American people can protect our nation and this Constitution from all enemies, either invaders or domestic enemies, all enemies, foreign or domestic. And I, I just get tired of them continuing to say, well, you'll continue to have the ability to hunt. You don't need a semi-automatic rifle with a, a large capacity magazine in order to hunt. And Joe Biden, even in that clip, brings up, well, we, you know, we've made uh, machine guns illegal. That's another fallacy. Machine guns are not illegal. If you want to, you can own a machine gun. You just have to go, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops and register it with ATF and go through a, a, a detailed background check. But you really don't need an automatic weapon. Uh, especially in times of insurrection or uh, invasion, a a semi-automatic weapon is is what you want. Even in uh, in combat, very few um, uh, soldiers use the automatic setting on their weapon because it's a waste of ammunition. They sometimes will use a burst, a three-round burst, to compensate for. Um, uh, poor aim. But if it ever did come to a situation where we had to defend our, our nation uh, from enemies, foreign or domestic, a semi-automatic weapon would give you the basic tool you needed to resist invasion or tyranny. And really, I mean, if they don't believe that the second amendment is any longer needed, I think that would be a foolish decision, but if they really believe that, then they've got the responsibility to, to take that to the American people and amend the constitution. The founders put in, uh, um, mechanisms in the constitution in order to alter the constitution. And if they really believe that, take it, take it to the voters and amend the constitution. But you hear these elected officials that are sworn on oath to uphold the Constitution, constantly trying to, in fact, tear it down and violate it. So Bernie Sanders is out of the race now. Uh, apparently, Joe Biden is is a prohibitive favorite, and uh, the, the the Democrat Party is fully expected to start canceling uh, the future debates and cancel. Um, and, and amend or, and minimize Joe Biden's public appearances running up to the general election. And Bernie Sanders is rolling over and taking it. You know, I've been saying for some months and, uh, and Tucker Carlson agreed with me the other night that Bernie Sanders whole campaign was a grift. I don't think he wanted to win this campaign. He, he promised to support uh, whichever Democrat candidate had the most uh, not, uh, delegates going into the Milwaukee convention, when every single candidate, Joe Biden included, 
refused to make that promise. And he steadfastly, Bernie has, refused to point out that Joe Biden is in a, 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 an advanced stage of cognitive deterioration, which would have been the most obvious thing to say. I think Bernie Sanders uh, never wanted to be elected president. What he wants is to be out there and, and experience the adulation from his Marxist admirers. And he wanted to continue to accept campaign contributions of 15% of which he is skimming off the top, at least that the amount that he's spending on, on advertising. He's, uh, he's channeling those funds through companies that, uh, his wife and her cronies own so that they can skim 15% off the top. And now commie Bernie is going to go into the Democrat convention, um, endorsing and uh, giving a speech in favor of Joe Biden, just like he did with Hillary Clinton, despite the fact that uh, they stole it from him then and they've stolen it from him again by organizing all of these uh, candidates, forcing them to drop out and endorse Joe Biden. So you would think that these uh, these radical revolutionaries that are the Bernie Sanders supporters are not going to be too happy about this. And I hope the Trump campaign points out repeatedly exactly uh, that they did the same thing now that they did in 2016. And once again, those uh, those supporters have been uh, cheated. Well, the stock market was back up again yesterday. It's a it's a roller coaster, a one day up and one day down. It's a pretty consistent pattern now, crashing one day and soaring the next. If I if I <laughs> were the type that played the stock market, I think I would uh, I would get in on that pattern and just play this whole market like a ratchet. The Democrats are trying their best to stoke fear and panic out of this coronavirus. I saw a tweet on uh, yesterday that said, "Is this a pandemic or a dim panic?" <laughs> That's pretty clever. A pandemic or a dim panic. But they've uh, they've talked up the uh, the doomsday scenarios so much that you've got people in the grocery stores now fighting over toilet paper. They're hoarding toilet paper. And I think it's just despicable. You've actually got people engaged in fistfights in the aisles of the, the toilet paper aisles. And it's a good thing I got mine before the panic. I've got a closet full of this stuff. Don't tell anyone. They'll be breaking down my door. (laughs) Why is it the run on toilet paper? (laughs) You know, you can get by with uh, wash rags and and washing machines. You don't have to have toilet paper. You have to have food. But they've got a, a run on toilet paper, and I guess it's, uh, it's the old adage that you saw off of Seinfeld. Excuse me, I'm I'm sorry. This is uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but there's no toilet paper over here. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I, I just forgot to check. So if you could spare some. No, I'm sorry. What? 
no, I'm sorry, I can't spare it. You can't spare it? No, there's not enough to spare. Well, well, I don't need much. Just three squares will do it. I'm sorry, I don't have three squares. Now, if you don't mind. Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. Well, is it two ply? Because if it's two ply, I'll take one ply. One ply. One puny little ply. I'll take one measly ply. Look, I don't have a square and I don't have a ply. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I don't have a spare to square. A square to spare. Oh, my God. You got, you got uh, Chuck Schumer out there, despite the fact that this administration has done an amazing job by any reasonable standard of limiting our exposure to uh, this coronavirus and now um, doing a pretty good job at limiting its spread. I think we've got about 1,000 confirmed cases with under 100. Uh, uh, no, it's, uh, it's well under 100. It's like 50 deaths. 19 of which are out of a uh, an, an old folks home an assisted living facility in uh, in Seattle. But you got Schumer out there and Nancy Pelosi they're trying their best to uh, gen up panic. We are very worried about the president's incompetence and lack of focus on fighting the spread of coronavirus. A lack of focus. If you've watched any of these news conferences that uh, Vice President Pence is holding every day, you see that there is a, a full court press going on, and it's being very effective. They're trying to say that because the president is uh, encouraging people to remain calm and, and suspecting that... This virus is not as deadly as the World Health Organization had announced. They said it was had a 3.5% mortality rate. Well, the president said he doesn't believe it's anywhere near that high, and the president has been vindicated. The reason that they were saying it was a 3.5% mortality rate is because they didn't know uh, the denominator in that question. And that was how many people were infected. And now that we're learning more about the virus, we find out that the uh, that the mortality rate is closer to the annual flu. I'm not saying it's good, but it certainly is not worthy of panic, and certainly not panic buying of toilet paper. Well, that's about it for today's show. I want to thank you for joining us, and invite you back here, right on the here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network, for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. We'll talk to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.